Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing folks all around town, all around the country, wherever you may be. And I see we've got a line lit up already. We're going in line with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, sir. It's nice to talk to somebody that kind of sounds like me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, for real, man. Hey, I have a 2007 Nissan Xterra. Mm-hmm. So far, nothing too major has happened with this. It's still got like the original suspension, mm-hmm. original timing chain. Uh, how feasible is it to just keep this thing if something major, major happens, like like, like the engine blows or something like that? Mark, that's a good question. I get that quite a bit. And I think the answer comes down to whether or not you like that vehicle and the overall condition of the vehicle. We get that question quite a bit where folks will come in and need maybe a six-speed transmission, which can be very expensive, or an engine or something like that. And what I always advise is if you're faced with that situation, first off, get a good general inspection of the vehicle to make sure there's no other looming problems. You know, if sure. the rest of the car is in pretty good shape, then it comes down, do you like the vehicle? Does it do what you right. want it does to it do? Does it do what you want to do? Because if the answer is no, then it's a good time to bail. If the answer is yes, <laughs> well, I mean, right. an engine, let's say it costs you seven grand. I mean, that's not even right. part of the sales tax on a vehicle today. Exactly. You know, I'm, I, I'm old and cheap, I'll yeah, tell you. Yeah, that's, just, well, that's oh me. Gosh. You know, I got a 2002 Chevy pickup. So, oh, man. Yeah, 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, if it needed a motor and a transmission, I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd do it because right. I like it better than I do the new ones. It doesn't have all those stupid gadgets to aggravate me. It's not beeping at me constantly. It does exactly what I want to do perfectly. Right. So, yeah, to me, it would be cheaper to fix what I got and keep on going. But, again, I'm in love with the vehicle I got. Now, like I said, I know people who they just don't like the car. They're tired of it, whatever. Well, yeah, it's a good time yeah. to bail. Go ahead go on something else don't put that much into it but when cars now i think the average car now is about 30 grand and if you want anything halfway decent i mean you're gonna be up at sixty thousand. i mean a chevy pickup truck now yes you can drop six, 60 grand real real fast i mean that's oh, not it, anything it, real it, dressed out it's silly and, and they're also fragile oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh yeah well it, so it, many it, gadgets it, and gizmos that you probably a, don't want anyway well it's all the technology i mean technology costs and a lot of it is not as good as the reg- original mechanical stuff was. right well exactly. and it's mandated it's right. just on there you it's, can't you gotta it's have not it. like you, you can go and get it. one without it you know exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh back to just like that drivetrain question what mm-hmm. would be if it were to happen what would be the best place to start is like for an engine well, what I like to do, Mark, if is yeah. check with the OEM manufacturer and see if they offer a remanufactured engine for it. Reman uh, like, engine. Yeah, go right. to like Nissan generally sells remanufactured engines and they keep them for a number of years. Now, if it's obsolete on your vehicle and it depends a lot on how long they carried that engine in the vehicle line. You know, like yours right. is an 07, but they may have carried the same engine all the way up to, say, 2015 or something. I have a feeling that that engine is still being used in the... Uh, it it uh, may Nissan, very well be. ...in the uh, uh, Nissan Frontier pickup truck. Right. So, so you might be able to find a used engine with a lot less miles on it, and that's a good right. alternative. In fact, yeah, this, I, this one only has 210. So yeah. But, I mean, you go down and you find one with, say, 30,000 miles on it that's oh, yeah. gotten wrecked. Well, you're in really good shape. I would rather have a good used original equipment engine than some of the aftermarket rebuilds. 
because I don't know who rebuilt this thing, where it was rebuilt, to what standards it was built. Now, exactly. if I'm getting one from exactly. Nissan, that's one thing. But if right. I'm just buying one from a parts store or online or whatever, I'm real, real leery. I would prefer to, I, at least I know that engine that came out of the used vehicle was an original <laughs> Nissan engine put together right by Nissan. Yeah, Amazon or eBay can only get you so far. After yeah, a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, good information. I discovered y'all's show a couple months ago, and I've just gradually caught up on some of the older episodes. Really, really enjoy your show. Well, thank, thank you. you. Where are you calling from, Mark? East Texas. Oh, okay. Well, very, very good. We appreciate you listening. Y'all have a good day. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, yeah. Mark. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And, you know, the more calls we get, I find the more interesting the program is. Certainly, the faster it goes for us. (laughs) (laughs) So, sitting here trying to babble around about some kind of... Some topic we try to think of. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. I did get an email this week, and a gentleman was asking about, kind of similar to what Mark was asking just then, and that is getting quality parts for a vehicle, and particularly once a vehicle starts to get older and they're discontinuing the OEM parts. Right. And that's happening a lot, particularly with domestic cars. And it's not that far. You know, they used to keep parts for 10 At least 10 years. 10 years. Well, now some of your manufacturers are dropping parts after three yeah. or five. Yeah. Ford is probably the worst about that as far as I'm concerned. They drop in parts six years. They pretty They're much, done. yeah, you, yeah. Unless they just happen to have some extra ones, you really can't hardly find OEM anymore. Right. But, all of the domestic manufacturers, I mean, make no bones about it. They're in the business of selling new cars. Well, sure. They, that it, is their business model, sell right. cars. And if they're selling parts to keep old cars going, yeah. that's cars they're not selling. That's that. That's the way they look at it. For everybody that keeps a car going for, like me, 20 years, sure. that's another car or two more cars they didn't sell. And that just doesn't fit their business model. No, it, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so one of the things they've done is start to discontinue parts. And that used to not be as big a problem as it is today right way back i remember when when i was a kid i had a thing for 55 chevrolets that was just my car choice i mm-hmm. love the body style and i own several of them over the years but when you think about a 55 chevy number one there was a good source of aftermarket parts for it because the aftermarket parts in those days were as good or better in any case better than the right. original equipment that is certainly not the case now at some point in time, the OEM started getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And instead of the aftermarket saying, well, we'll just make ours better, what they said instead, well, we'll just make ours cheaper, and that sure. way we'll sell them. And price sells parts. Yeah. And they just continued to take that avenue until they basically now they're buying absolute trash some offshore of, somewhere. Yeah, some of it doesn't even resemble the part yeah. anymore. Not much less work how many times have you been forced to use an aftermarket part because nothing else is available you take it out of the box test it and it doesn't even meet their specifications exactly. right out of the box exactly i mean it, it happens, happens all the time. time yeah i know had a fellow that had a ford f-350 and he had put a set of aftermarket brake rotors on it right and it was just shaking to beat the band you know, every time you hit the brakes i told him I said, it's warped rotors well no those are new rotors i said well i'm sorry it's warped rotors so he brings it in we measured this thing has 14 thousandths lateral run out. Now, their specification is a half thousand. Exactly. So, what happened to these? Yeah, these are yeah. What, <laughs> 280% out of their own specs. No telling where they came from. Yeah, it was just no telling. And, you know, ironically, we bought another set. I checked those. 
and one of those was out. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had the wherewithal of checking it before I put it all on the car and all that. Sure, so you can so send, I send it, it back. back and, and But the average do-it-yourselfer just does not have the he testing facilities. only thing he can do is put it all back together and see if it works. And in many cases, what he'll do is put it on. It still has the same problem. He'll assume, okay, well, I must have misdiagnosed it. Maybe it's something else. And start throwing parts. Well, they'll go on a tirade of buying junk. That's worse sure. than what they're taking off. And, and a, a lot of those have what we call a core charge on them. Right. So you end up losing your original equipment parts a lot of times by doing that. Right. I per se calipers. Right, yeah. Most of your calipers you buy at the parts store have a core charge. Right, because it's a rebuild part. So they right. won't be able to back. They can rebuild it. Sure. So, so you have to send that back in. So if you've got a problem with a caliper you just bought, your original one is gone now. That's right. It, and there may not have been anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's no longer an option. So, But that was one of the things on older cars. There was a good source of aftermarket parts. Now, there are still some aftermarket parts there out are. there. They're kind of few and far between these days. You have to know what you're looking for. But there are some that are very good. I mean, they're as good or better than uh, mm-hmm. the original equipment stuff. Yep. And another guy told me, he says, well, what I always do is try to find a part from the original manufacturer. For instance, if I've got this, I might buy a Denso because Denso made the original part. Right. I said, well, you got to remember, that's not necessarily an OEM part. That is an OES part, original equipment service. It's not the same part. And even the big companies like Denso and all may farm this out because they're in business to sell new parts to the manufacturers. Sure. That's where their production line is going. If they need a part to sell and they know their name will sell a part, they may be buying aftermarket junk, putting it in their own box, and selling I've, it out to you. So I've seen that happen. That's in, no assurance of quality at all either. In fact, we had a uh, a customer who brought us no, it was a part that we had we had procured, and it came in an OE box. Mm-hmm. And when we opened it up, it was an aftermarket box inside. Yeah, yeah. They just put it in their own. They box. put it in their own box. And, they didn't even take it out, it out the old box. <laughs> exactly. I mean, at least you could have done was took it out the old box. Yeah, yeah. that was a Delco compressor. I think it was. Yeah, and Delco had trouble with those compressors, and they didn't have, and they just finally quit making them. And they would get a Sandon compressor, put it in their box. They made a box that was just big enough for that box to slip inside of. Yep. And it, it, OEM, Delco on the outside, and you open it up, it's in a Sandon yep. compressor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a quick little break and be right back with a whole lot more. If you... Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. We'll try to help you out. We were talking a little bit before the break about parts, trying to get parts for right. older vehicles and why it's so much harder now than it was before. Of course, like every week, we'll take 
call it any topic you might have. You never yeah. limit it to whatever we may be talking about. That yeah, we will. Something for us to jack our jaw about between the calls. <laughs> and even better is just give us a call with your question. That way we can answer it live. Got all our lines wide open. That makes a whole lot more interesting program. And That it does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now we've got time to spin with you and get you a answer. answer. Right. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air, you can always get your questions answered at our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You click the button and fill out the form and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. We appreciate it. Why don't you give us a call, 291-6901. One of the things we had talked about is that, that there used to be a good source of aftermarket parts for older vehicles, mm-hmm. and that has kind of dried up. So it's not, I'm not going to say it's not ever an option, but it's not as feasible an option if you as want to, to repair the car properly the first time and not have it come back on you after just a sure. small march of days or months. The second thing is you had an option of used parts was a very, very strong option back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that was owing to a certain number of facts. Number one was that almost every vehicle was virtually the same. Right. For instance, I mentioned I used to love 55 Chevrolets, but whether you have Model 150 or 210 or Bel Air, all the parts were basically the same. Sure. The Bel Air had a little more chrome on it. It may have had a radio in it from the factory. It may have had a heater from the factory that the other models didn't have. But virtually all the parts were the same. The control arm off one would fit on the other. The rear axle assembly out of one would fit into the other. The transmission, all the major components were virtually all the same. But today you don't see that, not at all. But uh, even, you know, you can take the same model car depending on the option you have. Right. The parts are sometimes totally different. Well, that's First right. Say something comes to mind was the one of the Honda Civic models. Mm-hmm. The two door was a completely different car from the four door. Right. Completely different. Yeah. But they were the same year model, same same uh, same, same line designation. And all. Right. Yeah. Those old cars had almost no options on them. And what's even a much bigger problem is you may have two parts. That even look very much sure. the same, but, but they don't operate in, in the, the way same. of an electronic part. Let's say one vehicle had traction control, one vehicle did not. The ABS modules may look exactly the same. It will bolt on, it will plug up, right. it just won't work. So that's a much, much, much bigger issue than we ever had to contend with back in the election. There was virtually no options on the cars. Most of the cars were the same, and it was so much fewer models of cars mm-hmm. that if a salvage yard opened up, and they had some Chevys, some Fords, and some Dodges. They pretty much had oh, they had the market covered. Covered the market. Yeah. Now we have 40, 50, 60 different manufacturers of cars from around the world. Sure. And all the parts are different. Every piece is different. So they they can't buy a car, let's say that's kind of an obscure car, because they're not going to be able to get mm-hmm. their money back on it. Not only that, but the, that the price that they have to pay for salvage has gone way 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 up yep the insurance company's gotten pretty smart about that and they have contract buyers in many cases that will buy a car for 20 percent of the payoff on a later model car so that okay. means they've got a good deal of money tied up in this car going in so what you will see is whereas i probably paid 50 to 75 dollars for a rear end assembly for a 55 chevrolet you may pay two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars for a Chevy pickup today, <laughs> sure. rear axle assembly. Just because the price of the salvage is so much higher, there's so many different options, options on it, on and on and on it goes. The used vehicle market is kind of 
drawing, you know, it's still a viable market in many right. cases. It is, but it's kind of drying up. It really is. It's, it's one of those things that's sort of going away. You know, when you start talking about electronic parts, so much of the stuff today is not plug and play. It has to be programmed. And the vast majority of stuff built since 2012 or so is programmed once. Sure. You know, like you buy a new PCM, it comes in an open loop that allows you to go in and program it. Right. That put the time. Vin, put the VIN number in, put the program in. And then once all that is established, it locks out. It locks out and will never be able to be programmed again. Mm-hmm. You have to physically go in, unsolder chips, take replace it with sure. new chips, all that sort of thing. Something that would have to be done in an electronics lab or else you just can't use this part anymore. It was and, good on the first car. And the worst part is if you do happen to get your hands on a used one and you try to plug it into a into your vehicle, mm-hmm. it the rest of the computers in this in the system look at it and say wait a minute this one doesn't match and it locks it out like we were speaking of mm-hmm. and sometimes it will actually lock the vehicle out so if you take the original one and put back in it it won't it won't look at it, it yeah won't read we, it we had a problem i think it was on a, on a h2 hummer and we got a part this was a new part from the dealership it was a body control module i think okay and when i got the part i noticed the box had been opened right so I called the dealer where I'd got it. And he says, "Oh no, no, no!" He said, "They just opened it. It's, it's, it's still new. It's, it's good." Da, da, da. Okay, fine. So I plug it in. It does correct the problem, the original problem, which I don't remember what it was at this time, but it fixed the problem uh-huh. and everything was good. And I went to write down the outgoing mileage because we record incoming mileage and outgoing mileage. Right. When the vehicle came in, it had like ninety-five thousand miles. Well, now it had. 180,000 miles because what had happened is that module had been installed into another vehicle right and it, it had gotten the mileage programmed into it some kind of way so when i plugged it in the dash panel went out grabbed that mileage compared it to what it had said wait a minute something's wrong it moved it up to the higher mileage sure now i said hey this definitely didn't work the guy don't want his car back with that many more miles showing on it so we called they sent another module out i plug it in it immediately grabs that mileage the higher mileage okay so long story short what we have to end up doing is replacing three we have to place three different modules. pcm the bcm and the instrument cluster and fortunately i mean i called up the dealership and screaming hollered enough they agreed to give me all the parts uh-huh i mean i was out the labor of having to do it yeah the time three times but yeah they did go ahead and supply me all the parts put all three parts in at one time mileage is now zero programmed in the proper mileage and all was good right but it just shows you how much trouble you can get into well most likely that that module had been taken out of the box and plugged you know, into like something say, plugged into something it didn't fix that problem so it got put in the box put back on the shelf right but it already grabbed the mileage right off the other vehicle right so yeah weird so stuff. you gotta kind of look out for that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah let's go to our phone lines we got jan on the line good morning jan good morning yes, good morning i have an issue with my 2008 trailblazer okay it runs great. The only problem, and I keep up the maintenance and all that, the only problem I have is when it's in drive, and it's on, mostly only in drive. Mm-hmm. It's not the car that shakes, but it vibrates a little bit. Like if I have a cup holder, a cup, a cup in my cup holder, mm-hmm. anything that's in it is vibrating. Okay. And I know the first thing everybody tells me is the motor mount. That would I've certainly be one thing. I've had that done, and mm-hmm. it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, if they did not use the original equipment motor mounts, well, 
and let me ask you this, Jan, when they changed the mounts, was the vibration exactly the same or was it worse or was it better? It was about the same. It seemed to help. It, it helped a little bit okay. after they did it, but then it went back to the same thing. Okay, well, the first thing I would want to check on, make absolutely sure they use the original equipment engine mounts. Because if they put an aftermarket mount in there, they are kind of notorious. They, they never fit right. They may work for a week, a month, or whatever, and then they actually get worse in many cases than the original one was. So if they did not use original equipment mounts, that would be the first thing i check. And again, a good way to verify that problem is, is super, super easy. All they have to do is take the vehicle with it vibrating, get like a little small floor jack, put on it with a block of wood, put it on the oil pan, and just lightly jack up on the engine. If the vibration immediately goes away, then you're into an engine mount problem. If it does not, then you're into something else. But that's so simple to do that nobody has any excuse for ever misdiagnosing that problem. Well, I did not have that done at a dealership. Mm-hmm. So if I take it to a dealership, well, I wouldn't do that, Jan. I mean, any any aftermarket, I mean, any independent shop can get the original equipment parts. It's just a lot of them don't because they make a lot more money on aftermarket stuff. You know, if they go into the dealership and buy the part, they're going to make fifteen twenty percent markup on it because that's all there is. Now, if they go to a parts store, they may make forty percent markup on it. You know, so that's well, what sure they tend they to use. I'm sure they went to a parts store. Oh, I'm sure. But what you want to do first off is either you or somebody you know or even bring them back to the shop, just have them put the car in the bay, put it in gear, you, know, you can feel it vibrating real good, jack up just lightly on that engine. And if it immediately goes away, then we're in the engine mouse, no yeah. question. Now, if it continues to vibrate with the engine lifted up, then it's not a mount, it's something else. It could be something that's out of balance or whatever. I can think of a lot of things that can cause a shake, but what you're describing to me is just such a classic example of having a bad mount and putting an aftermarket mount back in its place. I mean, we see that every single day. And what happens a lot of times, some people aren't as smart as you are. They don't call somebody to try to get advice on it. What they do is say, well, it can't be the motor mount. It's got to be something else. Then they start changing all kinds of parts. And they spend a fortune and still got the problem. And eventually get somebody knows what they're doing. They check it, and then you go back to the first thing again. But, I mean, we do that all the time. I've taken brand-new mounts off. I, I used to have a 55-gallon drum out behind my shop for scrap, and it was completely full of brand-new aftermarket mounts. Okay. So I would certainly okay. get them just to check that one thing. Now, if that doesn't change when you jack up on the motor slightly, then call me back. I can give you a whole lot of other, other things that it could possibly be. But that is just almost a quintessential example of, of you know what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Good deal. Thank you. All right, Dan. Yes, Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. I right, gotta take our second little break. We'll be right back for more. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your 
general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Noise off the river to right. Don't mind cause the man away. Hey, welcome back. If you're joining us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We'd sure love to hear from you. Just give us a call. We were talking a little bit about why parts, good parts, are more difficult right. to, to find, get today. To get. And it's sort of like Jan's call. Very, very often what happens, it's just a matter of economics. A lot of shops, number one, they want to act like they're saving you money or uh-huh. like they're inexpensive. An OEM mount may cost oh. well over $100. Depending on what it goes on. Yeah, depending. Some of them are way more than that. An aftermarket mount may be $25. Sure. So they could put a set of $25 mounts in the car, charge you $75 for them, make 50 bucks profit on it, and still act like they're saving you money. Uh-huh. But all they've done is bait and switch you from a quality part. Quality. You know, the, the aftermarket part, it's not drilled right. It's not it's the not exact made right. same thing. So when you put it in, you got to force it in there. Right. It's hard to get in. A lot of them are not made out of the same material. Well, the rubber they use is a substandard grade of rubber. It's already in a bind because it doesn't fit the car properly. So it may last for two weeks. It may last for a month. Right. Maybe if you're lucky, a little bit longer than that. But then it, the same problem comes back again because it's sitting in there in a bind. Well, and it usually comes back tenfold. Yeah. It may come back worse because the OEM mount, even worn out, was, was better, than, better than, the, than this thing one. is. Yeah. And that's just kind of the the problem that you have with that so as we talked about before aftermarket parts are largely going away right used parts salvage yards are going i mean i think there will probably always be some around there will but more and more and more they're not a viable option to you you just you you're not being able to use that like you used to in the past Mm -hmm. and for a number of reasons as we've already discussed so used parts going away aftermarket parts going away and the third leg i guess if you were of what we used to we used to be able to repair a lot of things a lot if not almost all things mm-hmm. on older cars right you, well you remember the days of the the generator repair shop well, sure. that that was a that was a business you well know? and every general motors car and every line be it an oldsmobile or a pontiac or a chevrolet they all use basically the same brushes uh-huh so you could go to any parts store and buy a set of brushes for a starter, a set of brushes for an alternator sure. or a generator. You could buy the bushings. You could get all the parts. All you needed was an ohm meter to check, make sure you didn't have any shorts, put the new parts in there, and you were good to go. Right. And since so many cars use the same parts, the parts are readily available. Readily available. The aftermarket used to make a lot of that stuff, and, and it was really good stuff. You know, nowadays, you may have the exact car, exact motor, and it may have three different types of alternators on it. Exactly. And you can't get into it anyway because it's sealed. And even if you could get into it, you, you can't, can't get buy the parts. parts. <laughs> right. right. So, and you don't have the wherewithal to check all the electronics on and all that kind of humbug. So, the thing of repairing stuff is just getting to be less and less of an option. Not only that, but the labor rates in shops, just because... Just like everything we buy in the world, their costs go up daily. Right. Maybe at a higher rate than the general, the general groups of people. But yeah, the cost of running a shop because of regulations and all that has Has just escalated. Yeah. So when you're talking about labor rates in a shop running anywhere from a hundred to $150 an hour, you really can't afford to sit there and you spend a lot, lot of time repairing something. I remember, again, I'm going to go back to my old example, my 55 Chevrolet. I had one, and the steering wheel was cracked. Right. It, they used to use a Bakelite 
plastic uh-huh. around a steel rim. Yep. And it had cracked, so there's a little gap in it. And they have the internet in those days, so you couldn't just go and punch up crack steering wheel and see how to <laughs> fix it. But I was looking at an old Hot Rod magazine, and they were talking about restoring a car. And they said there's this, it was a marine epoxy that right. they had that time. So I searched around, and I find some. I just took a little grinder, a little file, and I filed it out to a V shape, filled it in with that marine epoxy, let it dry, filed it all smooth, sanded it, painted it. Looked couldn't like, tell it? Yeah. yeah, couldn't even tell it had ever been repaired. And, I mean, I kept that car probably 10 years after that and never had one moment's trouble out of it. Yep. That used to be a that used to be a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. The, those steering wheels would get old and that Bakelite would crack. Right. I've got, in fact, I've got several steering wheels at the house hanging on the wall that mm-hmm. need that mm-hmm. need that repair. Yeah, but you could you could repair it. You was could. The point. You had a dent in the dash of my car back then. You had steel, steel dashes. Dash. Mm-hmm. Well, you just go in there and you straighten it best you could, hammer and dolly best you could, grind it down, take a little bondo, fill it in, sand it out, paint the dash with a spray can of paint, and it looked like brand done. new. Yeah. Yep. Well, nowadays, if your vinyl dash cracks, that's not an option. No, you know, no, it's not. You're not going to be able to do that. And so you got a big old crack in the middle of your car you're trying to restore. That just doesn't look real cool. Well, I mean, today's vehicles, we had a, I think uh, General Motors had a problem with the dashes in the, was it the 08s and the 9s that the, the Suburbans, that the dashes would crack right across the place. Yeah, either would, warp or crack. They would crack. Try to get that stuff. Yeah. You got to buy it new because you can't fix that because it's, it's plastic and it's right. brittle. Well, and all the ones that might be in a salvage yard are probably are in the, the same, same shape. shape or worse because they've been sitting there with the doors off the car and the weather's getting to it and all that exactly. kind of stuff. So that's not an option anymore. Right. And if the dealer drops the, the line, the part, then that's not an option anymore. Right. So your only option is aftermarket if it's available. Right. If you can find somebody that's, that's reproducing it mm-hmm. and you don't know what you're getting there. Yeah. It, right. it, it may outlast the rest of the vehicle, and it may crack tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. You just and don't know what you're not, getting. It may not even fit in the car. Right. You put it in, you got big gaps everywhere. It just doesn't look acceptable. So, yeah, that's another option that basically going away. So I guess where we're going with all this stuff is that back in the day, I remember when I was a kid, you'd see T-Model Fords oh, yeah. and A-Model Fords running all over the place because people would take them and rebuild them, fix them up sure. because they thought it was really cool. And again, in my case, it was a 55 Chevrolet. Later on, it was the Mustangs and, right, and what have you, Camaros and, right. and all that kind of stuff. And all those cars could basically be rebuilt. And you could probably rebuild them forever. Mm-hmm. I was watching a program on TV the other day, and this guy is in New York City, and he sells the really cool old European, like the Jaguars and some of the okay. Mercedes models and all. And these things were stored, look like brand new. I, I don't know what it costs. That's probably a whole other story. I, whole other I day. Say. But the point is, you could, just like the domestic cars, everything was pretty common. You could mm-hmm. you could make parts in many cases. If right. you had a good metalsmith and a part was missing, you could probably refabricate that part oh, out of easily. sheet metal. Easily. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could there, there were people who did those kinds of things. Even like the chrome i know i'm old chevy i had a bel air with a lot of chrome on the side of it it wasn't chrome actually it was stainless steel right polished stainless uh, polished stainless and you get a dent in it you could take it off you could knock the dent out file it down smooth sand it with a real fine emery paper and then repolish it look like a brand new part again i've i have restored a many a foot of of stainless trim right but i mean in the, a day the point was you could do that you could kind do of stuff yeah today's stuff is all plastic well it's plastic and once it breaks it's, it's broke. broke and 
unless you can find one in a salvage yard somewhere that's not broken that's not broken and you can take it off the car without breaking without breaking yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's right so i guess the point is i don't know that there's ever going to be what we used to have well like a 2020 that you might be looking at in 2080 yeah i kind of doubt it probably won't be there. probably won't be around yeah unless somebody just took took one and stuck it in a sealed climate control box or something and might might be yeah it might be a yard ornament yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and all, all those people who, who have seen cars in people's front yards yeah, know what i'm talking about might be seeing a whole lot more that <laughs> <laughs> yes sir hey we got our final quick little break be right back with more on the automotive hour hey mike i'm thinking about boiling some shrimp you know where i can get a good price oh yeah i got a shrimp guy but there's a catch his name is remy labateau and you have to go down to lafouche parish and meet him after midnight oh Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks standoff Louisiana one, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. We've got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. we still got a few minutes left. Glad to get you an answer. Talk a little bit about how trying to restore older cars is not as much a viability as it was at one time. Right. Like I was telling you, the, the first 55 Chevrolet I ever bought, I paid 50 bucks for it jacked up in some guy's yard uh-huh pulled it home with a rope you know right right and for maybe a grand or so i had a good car Something and you could drive and i could drive and right. and i wanted an old car i didn't want a new car but you know nowadays that's not hardly an option it's not a few things that you might be able to do you know number one if you need a part for your older car most of the time if you call the dealership they can give you the original part number right Give them the VIN number off the car. They can generally tell you what the part number was. It may not be available anymore, but get that original part number. Now you know exactly what part fit the car. Then you can go online and Google that part number, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised what, what might come, pop yeah. up. Somebody will have some old stock somewhere in the country or something of that nature. You well, can still get your hands you on. Occasionally, we'll go through and clean out the shop, and we'll find some old parts that we had bought years and years ago. We can't send them back any longer because right. they're obsolete. But we're not ever going to use it, not likely ever going to use it, and we'll sell them online. We'll, we'll put them on eBay or whatever just sure. to get rid of them, get what we can get out of them. So a lot of times you can find what they call NOS, new old stock. Right. And that's a original equipment part that's just been sitting on a shelf somewhere. Some dealerships may do that. They may have gotten caught. They didn't rotate their inventory off enough. And they may have a lot of old parts on the shelf. One day they decide, hey, we need this space, so they'll just – get rid of stuff uh-huh. and, and and a lot of times you can find that stuff online ebay it, is a good source it's, it's pretty reasonable too you, you gotta probably, watch you need to specifically ask is this an original equipment part right because they may use the letters oem and in, in their ads so when you type that in it may pop up but you need to be sure 
because a lot of that is just aftermarket junk that they're trying to say is OEM. Mm-hmm. But there is also some good stuff on there, and that's one way to get the original equipment part. Now, beyond that, like you had mentioned, a lot of parts, major parts, are being reproduced now. Right. And some of those are pretty decent quality. Some of them work great, mm-hmm. and then there's others that don't work right. at all. Per se, uh, we ran into this a, a little while back. We were doing framework, and the customer brought me a fender. Mm-hmm. Well, when I put it on the, when I tried to put it on the vehicle, none of the lines matched up. Right. You could line up the top, but the bottom wouldn't line right. up. Right. And I called him. I told him, I said, hey, you're going to have to get me a fender. He said, well, I got you one. I no, said, well, yeah. A real fender. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need something that's going to work, not just yeah. look like the part. Yeah. And he ended up getting... Uh, an original equipment fender. Okay. Uh, already painted, come off a used vehicle. Yeah. Brought it to me, it fit perfect. Yeah, slap it right on there. But there are companies now that make, you can buy an entire car. You can. You, you can buy a Mustang, you can buy a 55 Chevrolet. You buy a Camaro. I mean, I think yeah. I saw a 32 Ford 3 window coupe yep. body. Yep. Complete body, totally restamped, primered, ready to go. And some of these are pretty high quality, probably equal to or maybe better than the original equipment stuff. Because all the old cars that were pretty good are pretty much gone. They're, oh, yeah, they're they, in the hands of a collector somewhere, or they've been junked out over the years. Yeah, most of the stuff left now is you know things that weren't restorable back in the day because they were just too far gone. Right. And now that's all that's left. Right. So, but now you know, these things don't come cheap. No, they do not. You might be talking fifteen thousand dollars for a bare body shell. Sure. Now you still got to get a frame under it. You still got to get wiring in it. You got to get wiring, interior, interior glass, trim. Yeah. It's ba- it's a basic body shell. shell. Yeah, it's it's what the factory stamped out or would have stamped out back in the day, and then it would have went down the assembly, assembly line, line from there. So it's not an inexpensive option. No, but, but it, if you're just in love with a certain car, and it's, it's no a viable available. Option. Yeah, it is an option that can be made if you had a car that was in pretty good shape maybe just the body was rusted out you may be able to buy this new body shell transfer a lot of your stuff on there that might make it a little bit more cost effective and some of these newer bodies that they're stamping out they've gone in and they've looked and said hey the factory had a problem here right these we fixed out here we fixed this Mm -hmm. we fixed it on this one or you know the technology they've got electro dip uh, urethane type primers they can get in there into cracks and all it just never was done like the old 55 Chevrolets, these all rust out over the headlights. Right. And back in the day, we'd have to cut that out, take a piece of metal, hammer it into that shape, put it in, tack weld it in place, and then go in and fill it and do the body work yeah, on it. Yeah, it, it was, it it was right. a big, big deal. Now you can buy just that little piece as a reproduction piece. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy a whole fender. But you, that just wasn't an option back then. Now, one last thing. When you just decide you want an old car right, uh, and you want to fix something up, where a lot of people make a big, big, big mistake is they will go and find a fairly cheap car that's in really rough condition, thinking, well, I'm going to save money going in, Bye. and I'm going to do the work myself. Uh-huh. That is generally not a good idea. What you want to do, buy the best possible example of a car, whichever it might be. If you want a 67 Camaro, it is far less expensive to buy one for $10,000, that's a cream puff, than it is to buy one for $1,000 and think you're going to bring it up standard. Because exactly. it'll probably cost you a lot more than ten grand to get it up to the point where that other one's already at. The only thing about doing it that way is you have to be able to check the car out thoroughly Verify. to make sure it is what you're buying as far as VIN numbers and models and things right. like that. And you 
you really, really need to be able to look at the body work that was well, done on that the work was done properly correct because there are people who sell these cars they slap a can of bondo in the back quarter and call it a day whereas well, yeah. the quarter should have been changed yeah and you end up buying one and three days down the road you hit a bump and the back fender falls off <laughs> that or maybe the frame was bent on it damaged they slotted a bunch of holes out sure. got it all to fit so yeah what, what might look really good on a lot doesn't look so good from underneath yeah once you get in so it's just like anything else you buy you want to have a good pre-purchase inspection by somebody who knows what they're looking at exactly to make sure this thing was done properly and the time to do that is not after you bought the car no. and encountered a couple of problems and now no. you want looking for evidence to try, try to, to get, get your, your money, money back because right. that, that's probably not going to happen right the time, time to, to do, do that is right is before you buy it right before you sign on that dotted line that's why it's money called, changes hands that's why it's called a pre-purchase pre-purchase inspection, inspection. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right we've done a lot of those we on, have on older cars where they'll come in even and, newer cars yeah you'll start looking under the dash and it looks like a spider web mm-hmm. i mean wires have been cut and scotch scotch locks hooked hook and hooked yeah. to this wire hooked to that wire and and Bare wires here, and yeah, it, it's and they got most of the stuff kind of sort of working, but that car is going to be a nightmare to yep. you, yep, from now on. And if it's an old enough car, you could probably get a reproduction harness for it. In some cases, we can go in and make a harness right for what you need. Some vehicles they offer a what they call an aftermarket wiring harness, right? But it's kind of the basics, right? You know, it, it carries the lights, the radio, the the basics of the car. Anything else would be an add-on system. Right. Some of those are pretty nice, but there again, it takes a lot of labor, a lot of labor to, to put it. those in. Because that went in when the body shell was, was a shell. Pieces. Right. That and was one of the first things that went in. Yeah, they put all that into place, and then they put the windshield in, and they put the dash in, and they put exactly. the carpet in, and all that. So to get to most of this stuff, all that stuff would have to come back out just to get to it. Right. And then start repairing from there. Same thing, the underhood harnesses and all. Many cases, these didn't have a connector block like some of the newer cars do. At the firewall? Right. Uh-huh. That they wire, straight through. big hunk of wires ran all the way through under the dash. Right. So to change this harness out in one piece. You've got to take it off at the end, which yeah. is usually around the headlights of the battery somewhere. And take all that wiring has to go back through that hole inside the car to get, at, right. to get it out. You may even have to pull the engine out Maybe. To, to get some of this stuff. So the point is, if you can find a car that's already been restored, that is in good condition, even though you're going to pay more money for it, front. rarely are you going to pay as much as it would have taken to get you to that point, Exactly. starting out with something rougher. Now, if you just absolutely love doing that kind of work, you're very handy. You've you're not got in a, it for the money. you got a big shop there to work in. You've got a lot of tools. You've got a lot of knowledge, and you enjoy yeah. doing it. By all means. Yeah, just know that this is probably going to take years and years and sure. years to do you can't get get discouraged because what i've always found and i've restored a bunch of cars in my lifetime i find the job is easier if the car is drivable mm-hmm. because you can drive the car and work on a little bit at a time and you feel like you're getting somewhere right whereas if you take just a box of pieces and yeah <laughs> and work for years and years and years you never drove this car <laughs> yeah you're not getting any of the fun sometimes. but you're getting all the you know, the, the headaches pain, and the, the headaches right, and, the, and the money, money and, and all that stuff. So it's very, very easy to get discouraged. And that's why a lot of those cars, like the kit cars and all, they never get completed. Right. They kind of end up half done on the market because somebody just got tired of fooling with it. Right. 
yeah, years and years of effort, money, time, and what have you, and no enjoyment of driving an automobile. Right. If you got something you can drive, I find it's a whole lot easier. Well, and it comes to a point where you can't drive it anymore. Right. You know, there's going to come to a point there's where a repair that's going to disable get, it for right. a period of time. Right. Yeah, if you're changing the floor pans out, you're going to probably be locked up. Depending on how long, how often you can work on it. Yeah, you may be locked up for a couple of months without being able to drive the car. Right. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. I'll start winding on up, get ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Right. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. Oh, we sure appreciate that. It moves us up in the ranking so more people can listen. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.